When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Get all the latest football headlines and bite sized opinion in the brand new Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Join Mark Smith, Martin Gritton, and a conveyor belt of guests as they dissect all the biggest stories in one small, perfectly formed package. Take five to ten minutes out of your day to stay up to date with everything that matters in football, whether it's a big result from the night before, a new excuse from Jurgen Klopp, a shocker of a VAR decision, or a new chapter in the ongoing Man United soap opera, we will cover it. All the latest news, every weekday lunchtime, on the Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Look for The Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Man City Show. John Stavell standing in for Nigel Rothband in this week's uh, programme. Am I the last Man City fan still not wholly convinced about Jack Grealish? What are our chances against Dortmund? What do you think about the authorities' decision to cancel all games last weekend? I thought it was way, way over the top. But let's see what our panel think. We've got Steve Cox with us. We've got David Blayton with us. We've got Steve Allwise with us. Very good day to you all. Let's kick off, Steve Cox, with you. Uh, do you agree with me that this decision to cancel all football, including kids' football, was over the top? Or do you differ? I agree on that front. I think... When I thought initially heard it, I thought mm, it's really ruining a good opportunity to get people together to pay their respects in a very nice manner and, and actually in a, an arena that they're used to being in. Um, so I think with the senior football, <clears throat> having thought about it, there were security concerns given the number of police that are being diverted to other sort of opportunities at the moment that they're having to deal with. So I can kind of understand yeah, but that's that. Next but week. Down... That's, that's not this week. That was not last weekend. That's next weekend. Yeah, it's still been sucked up a little bit, I guess, into oh. everything that's going on. But it, so I, I, I still think it's way over the top with the um, kids' football. Why? The local football? Why? What's the what, what's what's the urgency with it? All other games went ahead. You, you Rugby played. You had cricket playing this weekend. And I thought it, it, it spoiled the opportunity of people able to, to sort of put their mark of respect on something. Exactly. David Blaney, you don't have to take my point of view. What's yours? Uh, I agree with your point of view. I was actually very surprised. Um, they seem to basically 
the government kicked it back, didn't it, and let the Premier League make their own decisions. And they seem to say, well, there might be a few people who might, you know, not respect the 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 the, the proceeding. But I don't completely don't go with that. I think there's two big things to me. First of all, look at the cricket and the unbelievable situation that happened when they had the cricket. The uh, the silence, the tributes, the, the just the general feeling that stadium of giving back, so everyone could see what an unbelievable tribute you give. If not, everyone's forget. It's all forgotten. People don't actually see that tribute. They don't feel it. Every single ground would have had the most incredible tribute they could give to the rest of the world. And I just think almost they've shoved it under the carpet, which means it's all forgotten. People don't see it. The kids could have gone on to the... Every, they could have all understood what was going on a lot more by being at the games, doing their minute silence and people explaining what it was for. All they do now is just go off and play with each other. Again, they didn't get a proper chance to to do that. And I don't know if you read about uh, there was a two schools who played football and defied the rules, and it was Eton versus a local northern. Uh, it's called Russell. Well, I'm an old boy from Russell, um, so I was quite interested in that. And I think they defied it because they believed in it, and they decided, you know what, we think we're doing a better thing doing the way we're doing it. So I'm 100. percent agree with that. Stephen, always, let me put to you my private theory. My private theory is that football authorities did this because they were scared that some fans, dare I say it, at Liverpool, would abuse that, that one-minute silence as they did during the Community Shield at Wembley. They would boo and they would boo the National Anthem. And that's why they, they stopped it. Do you think that's over the top? I don't know. I think, as, as David said, what we saw at the cricket, I think, was really powerful, really impactful. But that was one crowd. Football obviously has a crowd at every single match that would have been played that weekend. And all it takes is one or two people to disrupt a minute silence or to cause an issue. And that becomes the talking point. Now, whether that's the right or wrong reason to cancel all the games is a separate question, but it only takes one person to interrupt everything and that whole kind of feel good moment of everyone coming together yeah, but is, is ruined. Go on, David, sorry. I'm just going to jump in on that. But what happens on Saturday when they do the one-minute silence? They're still going to do a minute silence. So they're still going to have a chance to boo, aren't yeah. they? It's gonna, it's gonna happen. If it's gonna happen, they're gonna do. They're not gonna yeah. have the next round of games with no minute silence. I, I'd, yeah. also make, I, I I'd also make the point, the... Stephen, if I may. And also, if, if indeed that did happen, if indeed Man United fans did abuse that one-minute silence. Having said that, Man United fans didn't at their game, nor did West Ham fans at their game. But if if some fans did abuse that silence, why should that spoil it all for the rest of us? You know, for for, for all I, the rest of us. I agree. I agree with that. I'm just saying that could have been one of the reasons why football decided. I think partly as well, football was the first sport, I think, which came out and said, we're not going to play this weekend out of respect. And then other sports, cricket, rugby, followed and said, we will play. So whether football just wanted to be on the front foot, err on the side of caution and, and pass the buck elsewhere, I don't know. I, I don't think it was an easy decision to make either side. I know a lot of people will go, oh, shocking decision, terrible. I don't think any of us would have wanted to be the person to make that call. No, I, I think it wasn't an easy decision to make and they got no guidance at all from the, from the Department of, of Sport yeah. and Culture, did they? They, say, they opted out of any decision themselves. 
Steve Cox, some people said to me, this, was, this happened because, you know, soccer, football is our national game. Does that make any difference as far as you're concerned? No, it shouldn't make a difference at all. I mean, I, d- I don't get what the need was for that. Why it's our national game. Rugby is a pretty national game as well. I don't think they stop rugby matches in Wales where rugby is the number one sport compared to football. Um why, why should football be different to everybody else? If everybody else played, what, what, what's, what's the reason for it? I don't, I don't. Can, can I ask on that one then? Who's the patron of the Scottish Rugby League? Uh, Prince of Sun. Now, Prince William's the football, isn't he? He's yes. patron of the football. Did that affect it? But although, did Scotland play rugby? And... You know, is it that have the patrons who are royal patrons, would that have had an effect? Yeah, the other point I would make, Stephen, is that, you know, we're still in a state of mourning. It's going to go on for, what, 10, 10, 12 days. And yet there's no one questioning whether the city should play against Dortmund on Wednesday. There's no one questioning whether the European game should go on. You know, it's a a totally different environment though isn't it it's, it's a different association effectively Wednesday is UEFA UEFA are quite keen for those games to go ahead although they do understand there are some games that have been either put back or rescheduled for another another time because of the issues around policing and logistics at the moment so um no it, it that it, it shouldn't make a difference John honestly I, I think the Premier League overreacted I don't think they read the room that said when you look at things like, you know, points of view on a Saturday morning, there's always going to be someone that's going to argue the opposite to it. You know, it was disrespectful to play the games. It's not disrespectful. Oh, it is disrespectful. You can't win whichever way you go on well, it, I guess. And, that, and we hope, you know, that, that continues because we live in a democracy and everyone's entitled to their point yeah. of view. One, one, one other issue for you, Stephen Alvice. I mean, a lot of people were not only inconvenienced, they potentially lost a lot of money because of this. You know, they booked train tickets, which, you know, God bless them, trying to get the money back from Avanti West Coast. Um, best of luck with that. Uh, they booked, maybe booked hotels. Some of the Spurs fans may have thought because of the 5.30 kickoff in Manchester, they'd stay over in Manchester and have a night out in Manchester. They had to try and get them, if they could, cancel, cancel those rooms. Are they going to be compensated? Did anyone take that into consideration? I don't think you necessarily can take that into consideration. That sounds really heartless to say, and it's incredibly unfortunate for anyone in that position, but you can hardly anticipate something of this magnitude was going to happen. And as Steve said as well before, we've got games next weekend that I think the Chelsea-Liverpool game has been cancelled, United leaves. It's done purely on police or safety, security grounds, not thinking oh, there's going to be some fans who've already booked the train from Liverpool well, I, I, down I to accept, Chelsea. I accept that next weekend's games uh, that will maybe cancel are taken for those reasons because of the, 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 stretch, the strain on the police. And I've, I've been into London this afternoon, and I have to tell you, London is ram-jammed with people. The police will have their work cut out, you know. Uh, no, no argument about that. But it didn't, in my view, completely apply to all the games last weekend. But let's, let's look at another aspect of this with you, David. You know, even before this happened, City faced the prospect of 17 games in 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 10 months, you know. Um, the, 10 weeks. Uh, in weeks, sorry. What am I talking about? <laughs> yeah. um, the pile-up on the fixture list is going to be incredible, isn't it? Yeah. And, and weren't they saying these games need to be played in the next four weeks or something, which makes it even worse, doesn't it? So it's going to be a problem. The, the only thing about that it's a, the problem 
gets worse if you're a team who's playing in Europe versus a team who isn't. Then it becomes an unfair advantage, yeah, for the teams who haven't got that extra game every week. That's where the problem comes. We're lucky, I think, in a way we've got Tottenham and their Champions League. So it's like for like, isn't it? But it's those other teams, it's unfair. Yeah. And and the other other aspect of this uh, is, of course, that I I read somewhere that there isn't a a midweek available until June, up to June the 3rd. Yeah. A single midweek when there isn't some game of football scheduled to be played. So how are, we going to, how are they going to overcome that, Steve Cox? Uh, <laughs> we can end up playing a lot of fixtures in a very short space of time, I think. Um, I don't know. Um, they might have to consider extending the season, but I can't see them doing that either. Um, I guess the problem we've got this year is specific to this year because of the demands of having the World Cup in sort of like the beginning of December um, and the, the break that we're having around that. Um, I've no idea. What would you do? Put, add, add something to the end of the season? I don't, know, I think, I don't know whether it, they have to wait and see to, to understand how City and Spurs and the other Champions League teams get on in the cup competitions because hypothetically, if you're knocked out of the Carabao Cup in the third round yeah. or the FA Cup in the third round, maybe that does open up a, a midweek along the line. But if you do what City have done the last few years and get to the finals of all the cup competitions, semi-finals, finals of Champions League, God knows when they play the game. And we're do- we're doing this, or we face this prospect, David, with perhaps the smallest, if not one of the smallest, squads in the entire Premier League. Yeah, and that is a problem if we get injuries, isn't it? So, um, in a way, though, that's probably our fault, in a way, by having a small squad. And I think the only my, the only point to me on that is then why in a year like this has Pep gone with such a small squad? Well, that's the question I was going to ask you all. I mean, you know, <laughs> come, come, we're not short of money, are we? We made a profit on our summer transfers, apparently. He, li- uh, he, he likes it, doesn't he, Pep working with a smaller group where you've not got so many players missing out every week and they become the bad apples and they upset the car. Pep, it's very much the way Pep wants to work. But as we've seen in you know, the first few games of the season, we lose a couple of defenders and we're suddenly filling the bench with kids who actually Pep's never going to trust in a meaningful game. So it do, you look at our squad, there's obviously there's a lot of quality there, but we don't have the quantity or the depth if we were to suffer a couple of more serious injuries. Do you think Steve Cox this was Pep's decision to stay with a small squad? And if so, do you think he'll rue the day? I don't think he'll rue the day. He's not. He's not like certain other managers at certain other clubs that moan and bemoan the decisions that they've actually made. Um, he does like to work with quite a nice, tight unit and a, a togetherness. And, and you can see that in some of the the video footage that we actually see in in the latest um, City. Podcast, you know, not the podcast, the, the latest City documentary that um, they've been running on City Plus. You know, you can kind of see that those players are nice and tight knit, and he doesn't like spreading that that too wide. So, I guess he, to a degree, I, I know what you're saying, Stephen, about you know maybe putting not not putting in players that he doesn't trust. But actually, all of those players that are on the kind of fringe of that first team, I think he does actually trust them to a degree, not as much as he would perhaps one of the first team players, but. For them to actually be there in the first place, there must be some level of, 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 of trust there. Um, and I, I guess it's easier to work with a more condensed team like that than trying to spread the message across so many players. And, and, and actually, then you, you run the risk of having to 
continually rotate people in and out of the team and, and you risk ruining the unit that way or upsetting people because they're not getting enough game time. Let's look ahead for a couple of minutes before we go to the break. And of course, uh, we've got the game, we assume, going ahead against uh, Dortmund on, on Wednesday. Um, S- Stephen Alvais, uh, how do you rate our prospects? Yeah, it feels like a long time since we've played, actually, because of the one game that was postponed. Um, but there, we've obviously come up against them in the Champions League before. They're going to be a very different team without Haaland. Um, and we're a different team for the better with him. So, but they're, they're not going to roll over. I think Bellingham for them is an unbelievable prospect and pretty sure that as soon as he wants to move or sort of expresses interest in, in leaving Dortmund, we're going to be one of a host of clubs battling for him. I think he's brilliant. But, you know, with the, the Spurs game being called off, it gave Walker a bit more time to, to be match ready. Laporte, I think we've seen today back in training, um, Stones missed the game. So, you know, it, it maybe helps us defensively get players back. Um, but, you know, Pep's huge on rhythm at this stage of the season and wanting everyone to play. You saw when we were, was it 4 0 up in um, the Forest game, maybe, and he still brought on De Bruyne. We're all thinking bring on the kids, but he actually wants him to get minutes and, and rhythm. So, yeah, maybe we'll we'll take a few minutes just to get into the game. But you look at the options we've got when everyone's available going forward. and yeah, you wouldn't bet against us against Dortmund, would you? Well, it'd be a hell of a game for Haaland, wouldn't it, David? Uh, particularly, yeah. bear in mind his uh, recent history. And there are people now taking bets on whether they'll get 40 goals this season, beat even Dixie Dean for, of yesteryear, many yesteryears ago. What, what's your assessment of him? Well, if he stays fit, there's a very good chance. And there are games when he's just going to absolutely um, annihilate defences. But I think someone like Dortmund... I mean, ironically, the only game he's not scored was the Bournemouth game, and they've leaked more goals than anyone. So that was a bit odd. Um, I think Dortmund do know the player quite well, and actually, if anything, they might be able to stop him more than most because they know him the best. And if they can stop the route to getting to him, maybe they know how to do that. But um, the problem is sometimes you just can't stop people like that, can you? Stephen Cox, your prediction of scoreline on Wednesday? I think 3-0 to City. And and I agree with what David's saying, but I think that if you want to stop the supply line to Haaland, you need to stop De Bruyne, Silva, etc. And I don't think you can actually do that. I think if you, if you actually put people on Haaland, I suspect you kind of leave space everywhere else. So I think City will probably make a comfortable effort of it for a home game. I suspect that away game might be a little bit more um, a little bit more tricky to negotiate because at home they've got a, a wealth of support there. But I think 3-0 to City on Wednesday. OK, we're going to take a break there. When we come back, uh, my thoughts about Jack Grealish. Am I the only City fan who's still not very happy with him in whatever role he plays? Join us in a couple of ticks. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Welcome back to the Man City Show. And uh, first up, my theories about or thoughts about Jack Grealish. I frankly am disappointed in Jack Grealish. We paid 100 million pounds for him. How many goals has he scored? How many assists is he irresponsible for? Am I alone in thinking he's, no, I wouldn't say a flop, he's a good footballer, there's absolutely no question about that. But am I alone in thinking that as yet, he's yet to impress? Let's kick off with you, uh, Stephen Allwise. What, what's, your, what, what's your view on Jack? Yeah, I think it's going too far to call him a flop. I think, um, I, I thought his first season was okay. I don't think he, he starred in, in any sense. Um, but, and I know we've spoken about it hundreds of times on, on this podcast before, players under Pep seem to take a year to bed in. You know, even if they're experienced in the Premier League, someone like Mahrez, that obviously played in the league for years, didn't do a lot for his first season. Bernardo didn't do a huge amount for his first year. Rodri and Cancelo barely got a game, looked really off the pace. Um, you know, Sane sparkled in, I think, second and third year, didn't do a lot first year. So I don't think Grealish is the odd one out in that case. But that means the challenge is now for him to really show his quality this season. Once he's got used to the system and all of Pep's tactical demands, what to do when you don't have the ball, when to press, all of that. I think the key for him is to be a bit more aggressive with the ball. Pep, Pep's talked about you know, how he keeps hold of possession and how Foden maybe takes too many risks at times and always wants to make something happen, whereas Grealish just keeps the ball. But I think he can keep the ball and still have more of an impact. So... I'm not writing him off, maybe as you are, John, at this stage. I'm not writing him off. I'm just disappointed. I'm just disappointed. I think think he's done probably as Pep would expect. The the key thing, Pep keeps picking him. If Pep wasn't happy with his output or his role in the team, he'd be on the bench and he wouldn't get a game. Pep seems to play him more than I thought he would initially. But I think this is a big season for Grealish, actually, to show his quality now and, and really stamp his role on the team in the way that you see the other attackers doing it when they get the chance. David, how many marks out of 10 would you give him thus far? Probably about six at the moment. I think he sparkled near the end of the season. You know, played pretty well that Real Madrid game. He had a few reasonably good games, a bit better. You thought he'd start to come out of his shell. But this year, he's been pretty similar to most of last year. And actually, some of his plays rubbed off on Foden. (laughs) Because I think Foden's only just got his act together in the last game. He's had a few bad games. For some reason, they're not taking people on. And it's just passing, they're just passing the easy balls, aren't they? So, yeah, he needs to step up definitely now. There's no excuses this season now. He's had his season. He's got to step up. Steve Cox? I I think, for me, with Grealish, I think he's got a bit of that problem that Pep was originally talking about with Foden, where Foden used to play at one pace all the time. And he said, you know, Foden just plays fast, doesn't know when to slow it down. With Grealish, I think it's the other way around. Grealish tends to play at a fairly slow to medium pace, doesn't really tend to pick up the pace at all. And I'm wondering whether that's taken a little while to adjust. I think there's more adjustment going into a Pep team than people realise. I saw an an interview with Manuel Akanji today, and he was actually saying that in the, the week or so that he's actually been at City, he said he's learned so many things that he hadn't realised just watching City on the telly, such as which angle he should be at when he receives the ball, where he needs to turn, how good Edison is on the ball. Is that those kind of things he said he's learning all the time. So I'm, I'm wondering whether maybe we'll get to a point where Grealish doesn't improve and you actually realise that perhaps he's a player that can't take on some of that stuff, in which case then he's a wrong one. But I, I guess... Steve's point about him being perpetually picked by Pep suggests that there's something there that Pep sees in him. So I guess we've got to persevere with him. 
Let's have a word or two, if we can, about reflect on that game against Seville, and in particular, <coughs> the performances of our two new boys, uh, Kanchi and Gomez. Uh, Stephen, advice. Uh, your thoughts Gomez on that? just reminded me almost uncannily of Zinchenko. Sort of, he just seemed to take up the right position, keep it really simple on the ball. Obviously, quality left foot likes to get ball. But Zinchenko was brilliant, I thought, at knowing his limits. He wouldn't try the defence splitting pass. He wouldn't take on men if he didn't have to. He just kept it really simple and kept us ticking. Gomez is he's obviously quite young, still learning the role. I don't think he grew up as a left-back. So, you know, he's got development to come, but just fitted in seamlessly. And I thought Akanji exactly the same. I hadn't seen much of him before he came to City. But and as we said, it's not an easy team or an easy position to slot into, but he just seemed to be very comfortable. Didn't have a lot of defending to do. We were so much better than they were. But again, promising early signs. And yeah, I thought he did really well. I was going to make the same point, David, in a way that, you know, they weren't up against much in, in terms of opposition, but I was impressed with the, by them both in that game. I thought they were cool. I, I, I can't remember either of them putting a foot wrong, quite frankly. No, I thought they did very well. And... Um... They just looked like City players, didn't they? Good on the ball, calm. Um, I was impressed with that. I think Gomez has got a very good record of assists, and um, which means he should be a pretty good cross of the ball. And I think that'll be quite useful because I think we're sometimes weak with our full bats and their crossing at the moment. Uh, I thought Walker's his crossing's poor. Uh, Cancelo's had some poor crossing so actually it might be refreshing with Gomez down the left side see how he does because I think if we can get our crossing a bit better off these off the flanks then we're going to get more goals aren't we but yeah well it did raise one thought in my head uh, Steve Cox that was that Gomez seemed to me slotting very well at left back and if he if he stayed there Cancelo could play, play obviously play right back because I've not been Frantically over the moon about 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 Walker's performances this season so far. What about you? I think he's been carrying a bit of a, an injury. I'm not sure he's quite been himself so far this season. I think he's not. He he might have even lost a little bit of pace as a result of that. To be perfectly honest with you, so because he's struggling a little bit. Whereas actually, yeah, you're right, Cancelo. You can put some level of confidence in him. Um, Gomez, I actually really like as a player. To be fair, he's converted over. I think originally a right winger. I understand. Um, so another right-footed left-back, effectively, but um, he seems to do a really good job. Uh, yeah, I think Walker potentially is coming towards maybe the end of his career at City um, if he starts to slow down anymore. We can't, you kind of lose the best of Walker that way, if you see what I mean. Someone who's gone. I, I think it's. I think it's down. Sorry, John. I was going to say I think it's down to the role he's been asked to play. Um, he seems to be sort of in one of those midfield roles that Cancelo is very comfortable in because he's so good on the ball and um, he's got a bit more skill than Walker. But Walker seems to, whereas last year we almost played three at the back with Walker and the two centre-backs and then Cancelo in midfield. Walker seems to have been asked to push him into midfield and he's, I think he's the most uncomfortable player on the ball that we've got. So I, I don't think putting him in a role where he sees more possession and you ask him to pick out more passes. I don't think it brings the best out of him in any way. But I think Pep values probably that defensive now. So he's got the recovery pace. He's strong. I don't think we'll see Cancelo and Gomez as the fullbacks too often because they're too attack-minded, too forward-thinking. I think 
you know, you need that extra defensive body in there. But I don't think we've seen the best of Walker by a long stretch this season. Well, I, I do think Walker's lost a bit of pace this year. In the last game, you saw it a couple of times when he, he was not that quick for him. Someone who's looked more and more comfortable for me until his injury was Ake, of course. I don't know how serious that injury is, but for some reason or other, Pep was clearly distressed when he discovered that Ake was was injured. Your thoughts on, on Ake's form this, this, so far, uh, David? Uh, I thought he's played very well. Um, I, I um, understand that Chelsea just didn't want to pay forty million for him. I thought he was worth about twenty. <laughs> and be, and uh, staggeringly, by the way, in a, in the two years he's been with City, he only played twelve Premier League games. That shocked me. I didn't realise that. I didn't twelve realize games that. in two years as in Premier League, which that was an interesting stat. Um, and that's why Chelsea didn't buy him. They didn't want to pay that forty million. But I think he's. I think he's a good player. I think he's playing well. And um, but he, again, he's not had enough game time. But the more game time, Pep wants to play him at the moment. He, I think he's seen that the more he plays him, the better he's going to get. So yeah, I, I think he's doing he's done well this year. And what about Mara's uh, on the, on the, on the sidelines now? Steve Cox is he sort of on the margins now? I just. He's not at the form, not at the level he was at the end of last season. And, and he's certainly not scoring goals at the rate that he was last season. He just seems to be having a bit of an off time at the moment. And I don't know whether that's because he's not consistently playing. But at the moment, our better options seem to be Foden and Silva for that right-hand position. And potentially even Gomez, if Gomez wasn't playing at left-back um, to, to actually play in that position. Um, Mares sometimes, I think, overcomplicates it a bit for me. And he always mm. comes in on the same foot. It's a bit like Grealish does on the opposite side, to be fair. Always comes in the same way. So it makes him a bit predictable. And I think they've got to find a way of being a little bit less predictable to actually give the best to the team. Do you, can okay. I just ask, by the way, on that one, do you all others feel the same as I do, that he... He's so greedy sometimes, it frustrates me. Because you go, are you not looking at what else is out there? You just keep going for goal in possible angles. I said the thing about Grealish, though, David. Yeah, I think, why are we so greedy? Don't know. Yeah, you know, since, since the, the only person I, I can see in the City team at the moment that's not actually playing regularly but can actually score from almost impossible angles is um, Alvarez, who reminds me very much of Aguero. Aguero could put a ball... You know, I always remember Aguero chasing a, what looked like a lost cause. Pepe Reina comes out and Aguero puts the ball in from an almost impossible yeah. angle at the edge yeah. of the area. And yeah. that kind of thing, I, you can see when you look at Alvarez's goal the other week, the second one that he scored, you can see that he would do exactly the same as Aguero. He's got that fast reaction time, one touch, bang, it's in the back of the net, whatever angle he happens to be at. And I think he's probably the only player in a team that can actually do that. Mahrez is just so far away from that. I don't understand why he keeps trying. Does someone describe Alvarez as the work rate of Jesus but the finishing of Aguero? Which is a yeah. heck of a combination to have. Yeah. But yeah. And I think again he's been great every time we've seen it. I don't know with him he's just finishing or he's at the end of the season from Argentina's perspective. So you know he's almost played his season and he's now not getting any preseason. So whether Pep is just going to ease him in slowly for everything we said about Grealish and taking time to adapt. He's also just coming at the end of a season. So but he, he looks phenomenal from what we've seen so far. He, he played like a City player before he even joined, to be honest with you, when you look at the, and I know you can't always tell everything from reels, but you look at the work rate he employed 
for River Plate, you could see him closing players down. He was winning the ball back. He was then doing something with it and scoring brilliant goals. So I think he's he's probably the, the one player we've bought that's closer to the finished article than the others, to be fair. Yeah. Okay, guys, we're coming to the end. Uh, I want from each of you a forecast, assuming the game against Wolves is played, what your thoughts are about playing playing Wolves at the weekend and a scoreline. Let's start with you, David Blakeney. I think 2-1. Two, 2-1? One. Two, one. To City, to City, yeah. S- Stephen? 3-1. Yeah. To City. Sorry, Stephen. Yeah, I, no, I, I was going to say exactly the same. 3-1. Three, 3-1. One. Three, one. Steve Cox? Yeah, I say 3-1. Excellent. Let's hope you're all right. Gentlemen, thank you very much indeed for your contribution. Thank you, fans at home, for watching. John Sebelin saying good night. Have a good weekend. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.